thing that's going to stand out the most to me about this trip is just remembering inside the show when, when everybody would just be dancing and I'd look at people and and I'd see the look right in their eyes, you know, and it was like you're talking without words and everybody was connected this weekend at the show and, you know, and we, we created a family that nobody could ever take from us, you know. Saddle up, kids, it's showtime. This is the next chapter of this project we've built up. We've had a lot of tension. It's time for some release. Mm, I've been waiting for this one. It's showtime. It's showtime, baby. I'm show ready. It's time to get in there. Dude, we're, we're collectively, we are, what, 50 years of going to see this band? Yeah, there's, there's, the, the numbers are high in oh. many, many ways. And yeah, we can't, we can't stop chasing. And the, the, what we outline in uh, this episode and, and the items we hit are just some of the most momentous things that occurred in Fishery. And it's kind of the reason that we keep coming back. Yeah, and, and look... We could go a hundred hours talking about all of the special moments that we've all experienced and we can nitpick and what my favorite thing is might not be your favorite thing. Mm. And some of you that are listening might be like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. And it's also funny to think about like what fish people, uh, we speak our own language, what we think is so special. There's like, you know, basically what I'm going to list is like a name of a song and a place. We, we, we can like talk about the MSG bag or Riverport Gin or Dick's Light and just a bunch of things that wouldn't make sense to people. But we're here to really talk about some some big occasions that just kind of resonate to people and, and to fish fans for this momentous reason. And, you know, just to let you guys know, and, and look, I'm happy that you get to go see your favorite band do an hour of the hits, and that's very cute. What we're going to is a marathon event every night and normally we're doing multiple nights in a row so just to break down what an actual fish concert is because you may hear your friends that are into fish talk about set one set two Mm -hmm. encores we have uh set one normally the ticket time is at 7 30 the show starts about 8 15 8 Mm -hmm. 17 the band goes on and plays about 75 to 90 minutes of music that's set one an hour and a half guys and then the the band takes a break we all take a break Mm -hmm. 25 minutes, yep. half hour. Yep. Set two starts. Uh, set two is another 75 to 90 minutes. Uh, on your average fish show, if we had to explain it to the layperson, uh, you're going to hear more shorter songs in the first set yeah. and longer, more, more drawn exploratory out exploratory songs, jams yeah. in the second yeah. set. Imp- improvised. Yeah, and it ends on a complete high note and everybody's going nuts. The lights open up and just flood all over all of us. The place is just exhausted and ecstatic. We go completely bananas. They come out for an encore, <laughs> and the uh, encore is normally maybe, what, like one to four songs? Maybe they spell a word out. Mm-hmm. Who the hell knows? Yeah, they leave us um, just kind of, uh, like you said, exhausted in a term that's thrown around with our face melted. Yeah, and like just like if you're a sports fan and you're watching a baseball game, all the way going back to David Gans, yeah. if your first batter drag bunts, mm-hmm. a little weird. Every now and then, Fish will pull some odd song out of the bag and start the show with that. And we kind of get these like, oh, fucking, this is going to be crazy. Yeah, it is on right now. But yeah, you bring up baseball. Um, You know, there are nights where the show is so powerful and just everybody's in that same rhythm. And it it just hits so hard that it feels like you just won the World Series. Yeah, and there are also shows that feel like a rain delay. <laughs> I mean, let's admit <laughs> let's, it. Let's They're not honest, all amazing. Let's be honest, yeah. Because this, this isn't gratuity. 
this is real. This is the, we felt things that I just can't even begin to put into words. Sure. And if you go there and you feel it, that's amazing. Now, those are your standard everyday fish concerts, two sets and encore. Uh, there are other wild special events that are completely, caution is thrown to the wind. It's a completely different setup. Maybe a third set's yeah. thrown in there. This, well, this band Fish, they, they're, I mean, they're beyond just any kind of regular rock band in that they are, you know, they're artists and they're into arts and they're into the theatrics and they're into spectacle. And, and from early days, uh, from the early days, they've always been trying to do different things and taking risks. And those risks always, you know, kind of culminated to me to the beginning of this this bigger error with something called the Clifford Ball in 1996, yeah. which is their first festival, and I think we need to start right there. Yeah, the Clifford Ball was uh, well, it was my second show ever. Yeah. And uh, oh I, wow. Yeah. So if I was born in fall of '79, mm-hmm. summer of '96, what was I? Fifteen. Yeah. Yeah. So I was sixteen. 15, there. Yeah. Sixteen, yep. something like that. Yeah. Um, we trekked up to we put five people in a sob. Mm-hmm. And we drove up with a bunch of, cr- like, crushed loaves of bread, maybe a thing of cheese balls, a, a tent or two. Fully prepared. Yeah, uh, and yeah. then, like, in a stolen 30-pack of Miller High yep. Life. And we drove up to upstate New York, yep. abandoned Air Force yep. Base, no idea what the hell we were getting into, and the goddamn band built us a city. They built a city. That was really, Clifford Ball is really, really special to me. I, um, you know, I went to some big shows prior to it. You know, we mentioned I went to Great Woods and... You know, uh, Providence Civic Center. I've seen the bigger places, but I've always I always felt a little bit kind of odd with my fish love. I didn't know how many people loved, loved right. it. So when I get up to the Clifford Ball and I see rows and rows of cars lining that abandoned Air Force Base that you're mentioning with license plates from all over the country, just seeing these thousands of people, I, it, I felt like wow, I'm not alone. And it was so special in that way. And then you walk into this entire world yeah. they created for you. And, and, and for anybody who is maybe not privy to fish, but knows about Coachella, knows about Bonnaroo, knows about these festivals in whatever town you're from where there's 30 bands playing, fish, one band, one festival, predates all of these festivals. Yeah. And Superfly, who was the one that brought us Bonnaroo, gives fish credit yep. for setting the template. The, these on how these, to do a successful these type festival. of large scale festivals were not the norm in the United States at this point. They did happen in Europe. You're, uh, you know, Fish got a lot of inspiration when they were traveling overseas in Europe at those bigger festivals out there. But that was not the norm. No, here. what was their Lollapalooza? Yeah, that's well, it's a different thing. The hordes and the Lollapaloozas, they were traveling, traveling festivals. festivals. They were not these like big build a community, support all these thousands of people festivals. Yep. And you know, you see them all the time now. But let's remember. When Fish does them, they do them for one band, and it's just the same amount of people coming to them. It's wild. And I may be paraphrasing, but at one of the festivals, there was a banner over the entire event when you're walking in that says, our intent is all for your delight. And that's something that's so important to think about, that they literally take almost a whole entire calendar year, work with zoning, work with artists, work with... Various different local... All the local organizations. I mean, just anyone who's uh, supplying any of the food, the means, everything. There's so much work put into it. And creatively, there's so much work that they put into it. Their ideas are pretty zany. And you had that conversation with Tom where he, he, he got into where these ideas come from. The when, how, and why. And let's, let's hear that. Yeah, Trey, um, at the time and now, I, I, I imagine as well, although I'm not on the bus as much, but the bus... 
when it was all four members, now they have like their own buses and their, their families are on them. And it's not the same as it was when it was the manager or the road manager, Brad, yeah. the four band members, and then sometimes a guest. And that guest was like the new meat and they were hungry and they were all comedians and they, it was just searingly, they would shred you for like a day. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no kidding? But it was, yeah, oh no, absolutely. I mean, they're all just brutal and it was funny as hell and amazing. And once you endured that and get through it, then they do stuff like they were very into chess, you know, yes. uncharacteristically. Yeah. And we played chess a lot. I, uh, Paige was among the best of, of them. And he and I often squared off and played. It was really cool because um, I had a chess club as well. Really? Nerdy as that sounds, um, <laughs> back at home. And, uh, but what I was going to say was the bus was the fertile ground for ideas, like you know the ones that eventually became um, the festivals or became uh, you know Baker's Dozen and that stuff, and it's basically them bantering, coming up with something a little outrageous, and the ones that stick were the ones that kind of kept whirling around, I think, in, largely in Trey's brain, yeah. that he, you know, then after, you know, it passed the band test, and passed, you know, for multiple days past the band test, and people keep talking about it, then I think he would kind of kick it upstairs, like, hey, John, why don't we, and that's Paluska, mm. why don't we try to do this? Could it work? And, you know, wow. then, then John would start applying his business mind to it. Yep. And uh, thank God it worked. Thank God it worked. I, yeah. I bet that equates to the New Year's Eve stuff as well. You oh, know? no question. Every one of those pranks, I feel, it, uh, is hatched that same way. That, to me, is just so fascinating because you, you, I'm such a weirdo when it comes to staring at them and just trying to figure out and think about what the hell's going through their minds. Yeah. How did they make this happen? Yep. Where did they craft this idea? And, and you could tell that it was something that they just had an amazing time putting together mm -hmm. fish archive geniuses following in the footsteps of the grateful dead in that way has given us the clifford ball dvd box set which i go back and watch regularly because it's just them looking out awestruck yeah. at a sea of people and they had no idea really what it was but they, what, what, they were as excited and, and giddy as us yeah totally yeah. and it's so cool when tom tells that story about these, bo both these stories i'm so excited insane. To yeah trey was like a little kid driving us around and uh, I have two stories I'll share. Uh, um, and I don't know if I've shared these yet. So um, one, one, like uh, just amazing shit to make us laugh. And, and uh, one of them was, uh, and this was probably, I mean, clearly after people had come in and started setting up camping and stuff, we were driving down the runway and we came up upon this field of tents and it was late, I think, you know, two or three and most people were asleep and trained. Trey pulled up to a tent and got out and opened the zipper of the tent and put his head in and said, festival's canceled, go home. <laughs> <laughs> and me and my friend Tebow uh, oh, and my Tebow. friend, uh, we, we just, I mean, we were laughing so hard. We probably pissed our pants. We were laughing so unbelievably hard we couldn't breathe. And then he did it again, and we drove a little bit further, and he was laughing, too. We were crying laughing. It was just ridiculous. That kind of, he was doing that kind of thing. I uh, hope there's one guy that hears this, and he goes, motherfucker, yeah, it wasn't was canceled. I, I keep thinking about that. Like, imagine being that guy and Trey. 
I don't think anyone actually went home, but imagine still being the one that gets woken up by trash. Try trash. That's one of those Bill Murray moments where yeah. I, I've heard that he goes into like a, a bathroom where someone's at a urinal and he'll cover their eyes and he'll, oh my he'll go, no one's ever going to believe you. And then just walks away because he, that guy's going to walk out of the bathroom and go, Bill no Murray more. was just in there. And there's when I was no missing. One. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Another one was uh, Trey. Um, and this, this was pretty funny. And, you know, 20 years have gone by or more. So I don't think he can get in trouble anymore about this. So I'll tell this one. Um, <clears throat> but we're, we drove up to the Ferris wheel. And this was, you know, the first festival. So the Ferris wheel was still an object of amazement. Yeah. And um, it had been sort of like semi-retired for the evening. And again, this was late. And uh, Trey's like, hey, come on, we'll start it up. I'm like, oh, shit, are you sure we should start? So he kind of like looked, and there's wires, and went up to a generator that was attached to it and just pressed go, uh, and the generator started up. Oh, this is a big diesel motherfucking generator. <laughs> and that cranked up. Then the lights and stuff came on for the, for the uh, Ferris wheel. And, uh, but, you know, there's like gears and stuff whirling underground. And uh, I mean, under the platform, and we were standing on the platform, and then Trey grabbed the control is basically like this big gear shift. Sure. And so he had to like, he yanked the gear shift, and there's like a clashing. I think there might be a clutch that he didn't use, and there's like a clashing of sound, <laughs> and the entire wheel lurched about a foot. It, like it just like moved forward about a foot and then like hit some barrier. It was like, boom, and the <laughs> whole thing shook. And we were like, what the fuck? Let's get out of here. And we just laughed with the generator running. And uh, we were again cracking up. <laughs> That's so incredible. Yeah. What a goof. But it, Trey's like, I was like, are you going to get in trouble? He's like, no, I own this place. That's amazing. Just, I mean, like I just said, they were as giddy and as excited as I was. I mean, we were. Yeah, totally. You imagine being that one dude that left? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's like, it's motherfucker. Yeah. Or the one dude that rode that Ferris wheel? Yeah. No. I, I'll tell you what. It was kind of, um, I was a little bit overwhelmed because, sure. uh, I've, like I said, and I've the throughput throughout my whole life has been anxiety and live music. Mm-hmm. And it has been the antidote, um, which is pretty wild. Yeah. I think the band feels that way, too. Uh, but what's cool about it, I look back on this, and I remember going to this festival, and I was young, and I was with my pals, and we were having a great time, but I began to get a little bit panicky and a little bit overwhelmed. Like right before the first show? Yeah, like yeah. heading in. So, like, again, to paint the picture for people, there's the camping area, and then there's the concert grounds, so you had to make a little bit of a pilgrimage mm-hmm. to the concert yep. area, and we're all funneling in. You're given a map when you get in, and it describes everything, where the porta potties are, where the stage is, where the food is vending and when walking in and I started to get a little bit uh queasy a little bit kind of <laughs> overwhelmed physically yeah. I'm admitting it makes, this it makes sense to me I'm a little boy too. at this yeah. point yeah, you know I, I I left my picture of my mom in my tent <laughs> so I'm walking in and then we passed the medical uh, tent and I was mm-hmm. popping in there because I thought I was gonna yak wow and uh you went for help I, I mean, you went to the chill out tent. I went to the chill out <laughs> tent and I probably was just overwhelmed and backed up yep. with you know cheese ball yep. shits that yes. I had to take and uh I was sitting on the table, and I can remember to this moment, and I still think it's one of the most exciting moments, is when they came on stage, and I heard that roar from the crowd. It started to, like, make me feel better. I was sitting on, like, a gurney. You know, they came out, and all of a sudden, you hear the first notes ring out of chalk Chalk dust. dust And the nurse was walking over, and I'm like, I'm fine, I'm I'm fine. And I darted out of the tent and went running. And through a sea of people, I somehow found my friends. Wow. It was the wildest thing. fish moment, yep. And looking around... And seeing a wide open field, 
of all groups of us. Yeah. Pockets of people, like you mentioned, the, the, the license plates. Yeah. Are, are, like me from Toronto yeah. is there. You from Sacramento yeah, is there. Mike was in the house. Yeah, dude. Yeah. And the band is just looking out over everybody, and they ripped, and they had such a phenomenal time. Yeah. And you look back on that music, and it's so crisp and so energetic, and it was at such an uh, exciting, pivotal time in my life. Just, yeah, that, just because too. the yeah, age so that people. we were. Absolutely. A lot of us that still see this band, mm-hmm. it's almost like we're watching our friends do well. Yeah. I, I think oh, about yeah, that. Oh, yeah, there's like pride. Absolutely. Yeah, we grew when up see, with we them. We grew up with them. And the more, the more they get exposure and the more other people, regular people, and I hope we're doing a good job spreading the word here, get to understand how special they are, it feels good. Yeah, and listen, I don't expect everybody listening to this to get on the bus and go see 50, 60 shows it's in the next two years. hard enough to get years. tickets as is. Yeah, we don't want <laughs> you good. there. We're not hiring yeah. right now. No, but what it is is that it's just... I, I, I like to bring people every so often that are just of the, that right yeah. mind. Yeah. I don't like fitting a square peg in a round concert, no. but it's just... Or in a round room. <laughs> square peg in a <laughs> round room. To, yeah. I had to do that. Yeah. Inside joke. But it, it, it's just something where you watch somebody watch it all yeah. happen. Yeah. And it's like... You can't help but have that twinkle in your eye, whether it's the band or whether it's Corota with the lights. Yeah, just the whole experience. I mean, the light show is just... Whatever some level gets it. So Clifford Ball was the start of a a series of festivals. A tradition. Each one, a tradition. One of many traditions. So there's been uh, 10. There was one that was canceled recently that was going to be Curveball, the 11th. But there was 10, each of them uh, in different locations. Each of them have a secret set of music. So to we, we did explain the regular Fish show. At these festivals... They do a lot of music. They play, and they're the only band. They're the only band. There's three sets uh, usually each day, and they'll do a secret set during the whole thing. So for like, it's a two-day festival, you're getting seven sets of music. It's a three-day festival, you're getting ten. There's a lot of music at these festivals. And these secret sets, um, again, a whole entire Dr. Seussian village. They create a whole uh, like immersive art experience. The Sunken City, the Garden of Infinite Pleasantries. Yeah. There, you, you walk through uh, Oswego, and there were, I believe it was Oswego. That's the name of one of the festivals. Yeah. Giant uh, sticks with huge marshmallows yeah. for roasting that were literally like a, a city stoplight. Yeah. That high yeah. and tall. Yep. And you're walking through all this different art, and it's a place to really just sort of get lost in. And I think it's important for the band to let their fans enter into that headspace yep. and yep. be able to be like, okay, well, we're in this lucid that space between awake and sleeping. Yeah, like in, like you mentioned earlier, but a lot of the festivals that go on today, you know, a lot of the, uh, you know, whatever, panoramas or bonners, they, they, a lot of the inspiration they took from this wasn't just, like, how to do it, you yeah. know, like the, but also, like, how to immerse your fans in an experience. They, they, you know, knew that they had to bring different artists there to do different things and just make it way beyond just the music yeah and and i would and shout out to lars fisk yep. for directing all the art installations Amazing. and i highly recommend um googling or going on youtube and checking out the mtv half hour documentary about clifford ball uh, mtv was on it yeah Even i think though, they like, did a it fantastic was, it was very job. um you know way under the radar for so many people, MTV was there, and that, it's, it's hilarious too. Seeing us uh, yeah, young heads, <laughs> yeah, like, I think they did a fantastic they did, job. They, really they did. even had Funny. like the mayor of Plattsburgh yeah. driving around and stuff. <laughs> um, but there are these sunken little secret pockets of music. Whether it was at Clifford Ball, 
secret, unannounced, they drove around on the back of a flatbed. Yeah, yeah, no one knew. I just, I just heard some noise and yep. just went running up and think, yeah. Yeah, and it, I, I mean, there was the tower jam. There's been drive the drive-in movie theater jams. There's always these weird different things. And when you get to the festival area now, that's when you kind of look around and you go, oh, wow, what's that huge ball in the middle? You don't have to go there. Something's going to happen. <laughs> but it's... Uh, yeah, it's, so it's there was... What I like to look at at this point in, in hindsight, because I'm looking just 20 years back from, from um, December coming up, is oh, God, yeah. one of the mothers of all these festivals. It kind of combined, we're going to talk about New Year's in a moment, but it kind of combined two fish traditions in a giant festival and a New Year's. And that is Big Cypress. It's a festival that took place with the turn of the millennium down in Florida. Yeah, dude, I brought a tape recorder. I, I used to carry around a tape recorder with me and I brought one down to Cyprus in the car and we kind of passed it around a bunch me and my buddies and uh, I've periodically gone back and like listened but getting ready for this project and going through uh, absolutely life-changing event for anybody that was there yeah I, I don't care how many shows you were at before I don't care how many shows you went to after if it was your first and last Big Cyprus was monumental the band played their normal festival setup but then went on stage a quarter to 12 yeah on the 31st and played until the sun came up the next morning 80,000 people were down there and they all pulled an all-nighter together it, it is it is the largest millennium concert that took place that night and there was concerts with Everything. all megastar artists all over the, the place was, this was the largest ones and they they performed a seven and a half hour set and i always think of what band does that what fan base wants that that's the thing <laughs> who mean, wants that yeah, and just it just we all pulled an all-nighter together and it was a magical magical experience down there so you mentioned these tapes can yeah you, can we get man. a listen of course yep. yeah let's check this out honestly i think that in the course of a person's life they're gonna have like maybe 10 to 15 experiences that really stand out. These are going to include getting married, uh, having kids, you know, losing your virginity, going to college, graduating high school and college, and, you know, when important people leave you, you're never going to forget that. And honestly, I honestly believe that this, these past five years, I've put a lot of my, a lot of my being into this tour thing. And I, I don't quite know what I was what I was getting into it for. I kind of just felt my way around, and then all of a sudden it kind of encompassed me and became part of who I was. And I, I started to to see how it worked, and I knew that I had my place in in the tour and and in the, the lifestyle that comes with the tour. And I met because of my you know stupid twenty five dollar fish T shirts. I met some of the best people that I've ever met in my entire life. Most of my friends. Most of the people that I can connect with have, have an, a mutual interest in that type of music or an appreciation of, for music on the whole. This band has given me a, a library of musical knowledge that, I mean, you would never, ever, ever, ever hear if you didn't know of this band. For example, Yamar and the Mustangs. I mean, it's a fucking killer tune. I never would have known of it if I didn't follow this band. I ended up... You know, listening more to the Who and Hendrix and everyone, every every single every single style is, is encompassed by this group of four guys from, from Burlington. 
I can't believe you have those. Dude, we all, first of all, we all sound so <laughs> young. completely sober. <laughs> yeah. And these are the tapes that like, have been peppered throughout this entire project because it's neat to... We, there's, some of it is from before we left Connecticut. Yeah. Some was from In Traffic. Mm-hmm. I love that one, uh, though, because it just shows... like uh, It's kind of like precocious in a way. It shows uh, uh, your friend experiencing and, and, and understanding how special the moment was in the moment. It's just so wild to even think about some of the traffic that we sat in. Going to, like, Cyprus was 30 hours. Yeah, I, I, I used a whole lot of my supplies waiting in line. <laughs> yeah. We had a guy, a local guy, was parked next to us who had ice cream. He went grocery <laughs> shopping, and he got on the highway into fish traffic. And he's like, I just want to get home. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, dude, eat your ice cream. Yeah, it's I'm gonna sorry. Melt. Yeah, I'm it was very sorry. It was so funny to see fish fans go over. But these Someone festivals, you. these festivals are... Life changers. I think that it's something that uh, if and when the band throws one again and you're nearby or you can do it, go check it out. I can't recommend them enough. I think that it's somewhere where we're all together and unified and having fun. And the band really does just let loose and spread their wings and and, and really go for it. You had mentioned that this was a um, culmination of two traditions. Fish really does have annual legacies. They hit some marks on the calendar real real well yeah there's normal holidays there's like you know u.s post office holidays yeah. and then there's fish holidays, fish holidays yeah and we we work on an entirely different calendar a lot of people believe and i've i've even heard scott mark say that his real holiday party his real holiday moment is the annual new year's shows that fish does yeah now it being 2019 looking at 2020 um fish regularly does a four-night run 28th, 29th, 30th, 31st, if the calendar allows it. Sometimes maybe 30th, 31st, 1st, 2nd. Uh, Recently, regularly, Madison Square Garden. Which is kind of remarkable, too, if you think about, and I think a lot of people I know who are not big fish fans, they're always like, they think it's amazing that they have the garden unlocked. I mean, how many times has fish played the garden at this point? 60. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, It's it's, nuts. Yeah, and it's just, it's so, that's usually the home base they've done you know, New Year's in Miami and, and other places at times, but that is usually where they do what they, is like a big New Year's Eve spectacular. Yeah, and as we talked about how, you know, being a fan of fish is almost kind of like reading a long book that hasn't concluded yet, and uh, where are the characters in the chapters? These traditions are little sub-chapters. So mm-hmm. four nights at the garden, all bets are off. Whatever they did the last night they played before this, it doesn't matter. It's yeah. start from scratch. Yep. Yeah, and over those four nights, this is something that I think uh, fans of bands that go see, you know, that, that same set, during those four nights, you're not going to get a repeated song. No, no, and, and, and the songs are going to have a different flavor, and they're yeah. going to have a different uh, unique twist, and they may all be leading up to that Show on the 31st. Yep, which is the big night, which they do a three-set you know, show where, where they, there's, there's always a, a big theatrical moment involved. I mean, obviously, right around New Year's. And they, they've been going all out for decades now and topping themselves and just putting together this big, uh, they call it the New Year's Eve gag. I always like to use the word spectacle because gag sounds like a joke to me. It's but little, yeah. they, they, you know, as, as we saw earlier, Tom talking about them devising these moments, they come up with some incredibly theatrical way to break into the new year. And also what it seems like to me is that the song that gets them the most jacked that year yeah, is, is the, the song that is the centerpiece of the... They somehow make a visual, a, 
you know, aesthetic to the song that maybe was like the breakout player of the the MVP that year. Yeah, for example, they the, just the other year they played a, call, a song called Soul Planet, and they turned the stage into a giant pirate ship that's that was floating on an ocean. Everyone had ri- glowing wristbands that were blue. That was the ocean. This is just an example of one of the spectacles. There was a giant lava lamp they played in one year. Yeah, that was amazing. They made it snow. Yep. They made the whole uh, Madison Square Garden turn into essentially a snow globe, which yeah. is one of my favorites. Yeah, that's beautiful. That dates back a little while. Sure. But last year they were flying through the garden in spacesuits. Yep. I mean, they have a, a song called The Meat Stick, which they sang in how many different languages? Yeah, I mean. Yeah. It's really an unbelievable... It turned into a golf... They turned the stage into a golf course. Yeah, a whole garden party. Yeah, the whole place was like a garden. They, yeah. they go all out. And it's something where they literally, again, without words, this is what we're willing to put in yeah. to your delight. Yep. We just want to make you happy. And even there's a song that's got like, you know, just we want you to be happy. Mm-hmm. And it's to a certain person, those lyrics, but it, we all kind of feel like it's for us. Yeah. And Absolutely. it's wild the way that we bring that crazy energy a level higher at those New Year's shows. Yep. There's nothing like it. Yeah. There really is nothing like a New Year's Eve garden fish show. And it's something that, whether it's the 28th, 29th, 30th, or that big night, I really think that some of the lead-up nights to the New Year's show are some of the best shows they've ever yeah, played. Yeah, musically, sometimes even better, because like the, the evening, you know, the 31st is like dedicated to this whole, whole spectacle thing. I, I see a lot of people who aren't into fish who are now onto this and just like you know trying to get tickets because they're like we need to see what this what, what the new year's thing on. is like, all what, about yeah exactly what they're going to do next i mean other people who aren't us are wondering what they're going to do next yeah and it is kind of wild having and i think that might have been another one of the motivators for this project is a quarter century of trying to explain to people who don't get it what this is and you go they do this thing on new year's <laughs> and it's like what what is a thing and yeah it's just the thing. Like, you know, how do, how do I yeah. put that into words yeah. that they turn the entire garden literally into a snow globe? Yeah, they, or they don't just drop balloons. No, <laughs> and it's something that is just so over the top. And the thing that's kind of neat about it is that the people at the garden are now part of the tradition. Yeah. The, 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 the vendors, mm-hmm. the ushers, security... It's an okay event. Like, they yeah. keep us in and safe and comfortable, and we're high-fiving them, and after girls are going and giving old guys shows, a kiss. Yeah, no doubt. After 60 shows now, the garden to both the band and to their fans feels like home. It's the best. The, the mecca, the, the, the Madison Square Garden is Fish's home. And to prove that this isn't just gratuitous crap, <laughs> I will tell you one thing that I absolutely hate about Madison Square Garden is exiting the building. Mm. It's impossible to exit that place in a normal fashion. Yeah, we have to go backwards down escalators yep. and then we take over these like weird fire exit stairways and stuff. It gets a little bit crazy that we're on the top of Penn Plaza. Yeah. But still once it's in there, it's a rocket ship that's floating around yeah. in space. You can feel it bouncing. The oh place god, the place is unbelievable. Yeah, it's and, really, and it's really special. It's such a wild uh, moment to bring in yet another new year yeah. with the band. Yeah. So we're hitting calendar points and they they finding a way to make moments on, on these certain days of the year. And, and one that's, I, I've always considered my favorite musical holiday, and that's Halloween. And this goes beyond just fish. I've always I loved seeing music on Halloween because there's, uh-huh. there's lots of antics. There's costumes. It's fun. Yeah, it's and, always weird. And they, um, they've made Halloween special for a long time now. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to 94. When they did the Beatles' White Album. The White Album. 94. So what they will do... And this is something, I know you've said the same thing as me, 
when I'm explaining fish or bragging about fish, as you said, to, to people, I always go to this one thing. I'm like, well, you know what they do on Halloween? They take an old classic rock or an old prog rock or just an old classic album. That influenced them. That influenced them, and they play the whole thing within the scheme of their show. They'll still play a three-set show, yep. but that second set, they'll do an album. Yeah, and the beautiful thing about it is nobody knows what it is until you walk in the building. And if you go to a Broadway show and you get a playbill yeah. uh, in New York, mm-hmm. there's an actual you know playbill. We get a fish bill, and it has a cover of the album that they're going to play on it. They've started at, in 94, they covered the, uh, the Beatles, they've done The Who, they've done Velvet Underground. The Talking Heads. The Talking Heads. The Rolling Stones. David Bowie. Yep. Little Feet. Yep. I, it's unbelievable. The list is just it's remarkable. It's stacked. Yeah. And it's pretty incredible to be able to go out and play the dexterity that they have, mm-hmm. to go out and play two sets of their own music, yep. and in the middle throw this like really dialed in, but fishified. Yeah version yeah. of these I, albums. I always need to bring this up when, when I'm talking about them playing other albums. There was actually a moment where there was just a random show. It was in 98, 11 to 98, where they were just in Utah and they just busted out just because, and this is the type of thing that Fish does that makes you expect the unexpected. They played the entirety of Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon that yeah. night out of nowhere. That was actually two nights after they just played Velvet Underground's um, Loaded. Yeah. Like, that's Unbelievable. So yeah, I always bring that up when I'm talking about Halloween because it's like they're able to do that on a whim as well, which shows the level of talent we're dealing with. Yeah, and it also just shows that whole you never know what you're going to get. Yeah, absolutely. And some people, you know, it, it, people could say like, oh, well, what, they have to play other people's stuff. No, they're not oh, just going and playing me. that yeah. and going home. Yeah. Well, this is sandwiched between two fire sets fire of theirs. theirs. But speak, to speak to that, that or do they have to play other people's, their, their Halloween tradition has been changing and modifying lately to where... They've been crafting original music for that set and, and doing just different unique takes on Halloween. Yeah, and, and they've they did a Disney a take on a Disney album. They they kind of premiered one of their new albums, you know, them playing that next new album in just last year. Yeah, I mean then they they, they pretended to cover a band they invented, Kazvat Voxed. And they covered that album, but really what it was was just them releasing again on a night where, like, the stakes couldn't be higher. This is the second time where they, well, technically, I guess, I mean, Chilling Thrilling, you could kind of say, is an original album in a way. But they go out and they play these brand new songs that the audience has never heard before. That level of trust in your fans Mm -hmm. and that level of, like, Get on our back. Yeah. We got this. Yeah, and there was, I mean, the... the what state, band does that? What band, what band base wants that? The, um, the, the stage concept was, was, like, you know, highly produced. I mean, they, there was choreography. It was just... They, they continue to go all out above and beyond. And kind of the mother of these, it's called the Baker's Dozen. This is a 13-night residency that happened uh, in New York City at Madison Square Garden. And uh, it's just, I think it's one of the most amazing things that's I, ever happened. I remember uh, hearing rumors of it, and I went, no. Yeah. There's no way that they're going to do 13 nights at the garden. It's, it's a crazy concept on its own, making the garden like your home for a residency. And then also the idea that, uh, you know, they, they called it the Baker's Dozen because it was based after donuts. So they hired a bakery in Philly to make flavored donuts 
and hand them out to audience members as they entered the venue. Mm -hmm. And the music was based and themed off the flavor of that donut that night. So cinnamon donuts, we got a cinnamon girl. Mm -hmm. Powder donuts, we got a powder finger. Um, You know, Boston Cream. They masked up the band Boston and Cream in a jam. Everything was was toned out and themed out to that donut. And at the end of this 13-night residency, as we mentioned with the New Year's run, where they didn't play, uh, they didn't repeat a single song. During this 13-night run, they didn't repeat a single song. There was 237 total songs. So there was 13 jam-filled nights, 26 sets of music for a total of 2,079 minutes on stage. They did, they debuted, repeat, debuted 19 songs. They did 61 covers. It's just, 61 covers, it's just, 19 it's, songs they never played before. Yeah, it's, and it's just unbelievable that they set out to do, and it was in the summer, and yep. people that live in New York and people that had no idea what fish was mm-hmm. was like, what the hell's going on yeah. in Midtown The Manhattan? buzz around the garden, the, like the bar scene. like it Restaurants. Was, yeah. I mean, everything. Like, we took over the whole city. Yeah. I had friends that came in from out of state and did all 13 shows. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't miss a minute of work. <laughs> yep. Somehow you work oh, your life. Oh, they just took a train in. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Somehow you totally. work your, your life around getting to fish. Yep. And the way that the garden said thanks to the band was they hoisted a banner up into the rafters with all the retired jerseys yeah. and all the championship and, and That's amazing Big to East me. I've been, I've been going to the garden like with my father for sports for since I was a child. And just, you know, I've always been looking at the banners and everything. And the fact that the band that I fell in love with and Chase for yeah. so many years has a banner up there now is just mind-blowing. It's really out of this world. And these are just four events, four different, you know, examples of traditions. Yep that the band has put on. And I think even if the band was to listen to this project, if we weren't to give a shout out to our fellow fans, Mm -hmm. because the band is always saying how important we are. Yeah. And when you allow them that space and we, you know, inspire them, they're getting, you know, I mean, Traven looks and like to get the feel for the next song. He's looking to us. Yeah. And I really think it's amazing that you can like look from side to side and see someone that you don't maybe necessarily know as a person, but in that moment, we can look at each other and kind of without words, just give a, a fist yeah, bump or yep. a nod and be like, yeah, this is it. This we're is why this we together. do this. Yeah. We're all in this together. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it's amazing to be a part of this family and a part of this yep. community. Um, as these shows are all special and all amazing, um, there's one special show in particular that uh, really changed my entire life, uh, both in and out of fish concerts. I think that's what we'll talk about in the next yeah, chapter. Yeah, looking forward to this one. Now, please proceed to chapter five. 